Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Kevin, for those of you who don't know me, and I, uh, I used to serve uh, very, until very recently as the training pastor here uh, at Bayview Glen Church. You might uh, know that our mission statement here at Bayview Glen is that Bayview Glen exists to glorify God, foster community, and make disciples. We glorify God mainly through our corporate worship time here together on Sunday mornings, uh, and we make disciples through our training ministry. And uh, very early on when Pastor Lucas uh, started here, uh, we made the stri- strategic decision Uh, to put our resources and our focus on glorifying God and um, making disciples. Uh, And we've done that through our training uh, ministry here where we have uh, deployed resources to equip you with specific tools to live authentically for Christ. Uh, And I don't know if you know, but uh, over 400 of you have gone through a training course at some point over the past year. So we really praise God for a a great success last year and looking forward to a great lineup uh, in the the coming year under the leadership of our director of training, uh, Joy Kwai Pun. But now we are turning our direction and our gaze and our focus uh, to our fostering community piece. And I am very excited to have with us our new community pastor, Pastor Dave Lewis. So why don't you join me in welcoming Pastor Dave up to the stage. Now Dave and his family have have just driven across the country uh, to get to us from Vancouver, so we're really glad you're here. Um, you've adjusted to the time, the time difference, all that. No, yeah. uh, this lot is of, the eight. What is this? The eight o'clock service? Yeah, yeah. A lot I of, had six fifteen this morning. That was uh, yeah. A lot of coffee. <laughs> a lot of coffee to get through. Um, I don't know about you, but I, for one, am uh, extremely excited about uh, what Dave is going to bring to the table. We want to welcome him. Uh, his uh, his kids are sitting here. Janelle, uh, his wife. Um, I, I don't want to muck up all the kids' names. So um, he's got four beautiful children. They're all standing there. Uh, are sitting there, and uh, he'll, he'll let you know a little bit about them. Uh, but we just want to um, bless Dave. I'm going to pray for him. Uh, we want to get his ministry started off on the right footing here, and we're going to pray together. So why don't you join me uh, in praying for Pastor Dave as we uh, prepare to receive the message from him this morning. Let's pray together. Father, I, uh, I am so grateful to have this opportunity to, uh, to stand here um, with Dave uh, and to pass the baton, so to speak, Lord. Um, we as a family, uh, Grace and I and our kids, we won't be here to see uh, personally what's going to happen, but I am just so thrilled um, and just anticipating that you are just going to do some wonderful uh, and great things through him. God, I pray for us as a congregation. I pray that you would open our hearts, Lord, uh, to love Dave and Janelle and their kids, God, not because uh, they deserve it or they've earned it, Lord, but because you have called him to be our pastor. Uh, and Lord, uh, just help us just to set him up for success and to, to follow him well. And Lord, as he brings your word this morning, I pray that you would uh, be with him uh, in his heart, God, that you would anoint him mightily, uh, open up his, his, his mind to you, Lord, open up all of our minds and our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, to receive uh, your word this morning. We pray your blessing upon him, God, uh, today, uh, in the future to come, Lord, uh, in his ministry to foster community here at Bayview Glen Church. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You. Thanks. Well, uh, we are really glad to be here. Uh, finally, I know that uh, I was talking to some uh, people uh, before the service, and they're saying, "Yeah, it feels like forever. We've been waiting you to come uh, forever." But I can tell you, for us, it feels like it's actually been a, a fairly short time. I mean, we candidated here in April, and uh, it's now July, and uh, and we're starting. And I need to say, first of all, uh, thank you for coming to my first day of work. 
Um, I've uh, <laughs> never had so many people show up to welcome me at my new job before, so, uh, so this is awesome. I'm so glad that you are here, but uh, just to kind of give you a, an update and, and how kind of crazy things have been with, for us in the last uh, three months, it's been, uh, you know, kind of transitioning out of a job and, and finding someone to replace me, uh, you know, back in, actually, we're, we didn't drive from Vancouver, I should say, we drove from Prince George, B.C., which uh, probably none of you know where that is, and uh, that's because, it, oh, oh, somebody's shaking their head, they do. Yeah, if you took the map of BC the, the, and, and you kind of closed your eyes and dropped your finger right into the middle of it where there is nothing, just trees and rocks and bears and moose, that's Prince George. And uh, so that's where we drove from, and, uh, and anyway, we, uh, yeah, it's, it's just been, it's been kind, of a, kind of a whirlwind. I know I, I just got to thank you guys for praying for us because... Uh, you know, we were a little stressed out with our house not selling, and I can tell you this, we left uh, Prince George on July the 17th, and uh, that's when all the conditions came off our house, uh, selling in Prince George. So God has been really good. Uh, it's been really, uh, really neat to see um, how he's led us here. Now, uh, I also need to say this, I, I, I know I, I am my father's son. Um, yes, my dad is... Uh, the legendary Dave Lewis Sr., and uh, I always tell people, I, I mean, if I could be half the man and half the pastor my dad is, I would be doing well. And I say that for two reasons. The first reason is, uh, first of all, out of incredible respect and love for my dad. And uh, the second reason is this, because I'm just trying to lower expectations, all right? So you're, you're getting like 50% of my dad here. Okay, so let's just keep that in mind as we're going forward, and, uh, and, and things will be okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get along really well. Um, <clears throat> As uh, uh, again, just on a on a final thank you, uh, your guys' generosity and support has been incredible to us. Um, as we've been coming across just the, uh, the emails that have been exchanged with, with uh, the board and with the pastoral staff and all that, it's been, it's been great. And uh, so we're really excited to be here. And uh, I should introduce my family to you, actually. I am going to embarrass them a little bit and get them to stand up because uh, I guess we came, we were kind of unknown. And uh, so, surprise, we're here, uh, and I'm the guest speaker that will just never go away. Um, so, uh, but I'm going to get my wife, Janelle, to stand up, and then uh, my daughter, Hannah, and uh, my daughter, Maya, Micaiah, and Samuel, my son, and then I'm going to get my niece, Kiara, to stand, because uh, she traveled all the way from Prince George to be, be with her cousins for this last time, and, and where and we're going to go. So, you guys have just met my... Uh, my teenage daughter, uh, teenage daughters, and, and uh, I got a question for you before we get going here. How many other fathers of teenage daughters do we have in the congregation here? Just raise your hands. I need you to keep them raised, okay? So just raise them up. Um, okay, there's not as many as I thought there was going to be. Are you guys holding out on me here? Okay, okay, keep them raised. Now, how, uh, I need the, how many fathers do we have here who are going to have teenage daughters? Okay, what you need to do is you need to look around at the guys that have their hands raised, Okay, and you need, to, you need to find them because you're going to need them um, as your children progress towards the teenage years. And if you need advice on how to raise teenage girls, we, we've been doing okay so far. Just ask my wife, all right? And, uh, you know, things, uh, th things will be good. Um, you know, the scriptures uh, tell us that as a father, I shouldn't exasperate my children, but it actually says nothing about embarrassing them. And, um, and so... Uh, as, as uh, you know, we start off this morning, I want to introduce you to my daughter, Maya, and I, I, she says, Dad, I, didn't, I don't get embarrassed when you talk about me, but I, I know she does deep down inside. Anyway, my, my daughter, Maya, is a ballerina, 
all right? And uh, so I don't know how many of you have seen the movie uh, Chariots of Fire with uh, Roger Bannister, and, you know, he's got to run this mile, and his whole conundrum is that uh, he's, uh, his race is on Sunday, and he's a church-going man, and so he doesn't want to have to run, and there's all this conflict, and he ends up choosing to run, and somebody asks him why he chose to run, and he says to them, he says, because God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. And that's, I get that same kind of feeling, that same kind of sense when I watch my daughter, uh, Maya, dance. God made Maya graceful. And when she dances, I sense God's beauty and God's grace and his creativity. And it reminds me of how our Orthodox cousins describe the connection and community experienced by the Trinity. You see, they use this image of a cosmic dance between Father, Son, and Spirit, in which they move as distinct persons, yet are bound together through a rich, interrelating love. And this got me thinking. If the Trinity is wrapped up in this divine dance, what is it then that moves God? What is the music to which God dances? And how does this music move me and move us so that we find ourselves moving to the rhythm and following the steps of this divine dance. How can we find our feet in God's song and dance? And so today, we're actually going to look at a song. We're going to look at an ancient hymn. And so if I can get you guys to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, it's going to pop up on the screen behind me here uh, if you don't have your Bibles to follow along today. And uh, like I said, we're going to look at this ancient song. Now just so you know, uh, the ancient song actually doesn't start in verse 1. It starts uh, more so down in verse 6 and goes till verse 11, and we're going to focus the majority of our time there. But I wanted to read uh, from the beginning, because I think that this passage um, has uh, a lot of things to say about community, and I think it's good just to read it on how we should be um, as a community um, and and as a church. Uh, So if you have your Bibles opened up to Philippians chapter 2, we're going to read it here. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Well, like I said, we're going to focus in on this song, on specifically uh, verses uh, 6 to 11. And I want, to, I want us to look at what does this song tell us about what moves God? What is it that moves God? What is the music that God moves to? And so we're going to start at the, at the uh, bottom of the song, actually. We're going to start in verses uh, 9 to 11. And if I had to sum up 
This stanza with two words, it would be simply be that God wins. You see, the thing that moves God here is his restorative mission. And so this song starts off with Jesus choosing to humble himself and ends with God's choice to exalt Jesus as king over all of his creation. And so I could just say, well, God wins, and we could close up our Bibles, and we could walk out the door, and we could, you know, we'd be okay with that, especially on a nice summer day. But the reality is, is that it's how God wins that reveals to us what really moves him, what really moves God. You see, tucked away in the middle of the stanza, we find this phrase, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Now, when you come across this phrase in your Bibles, what this means is that it refers to the totality of creation, the entire creation, the heavens, the earth, and under the earth. And to really understand what this means, we have to go back to Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 1, we get this picture of God creating a kingdom. He's creating a space where he will dwell with his creation, where he will be in relationship with them. And we know as we keep reading through Genesis that humanity fell out of step with this creation. They fell out of step. They started to dance to their own music. And what this brought with it was chaos and brokenness of relationships. We don't have to read too far through Genesis to see that we have a division between husband and wives. We have stress in families. We have um, brokenness there, and we also have a broken connection between um, nature and humanity. This this garden that was given to humanity to to tend and to care for is now there's a, uh, the relationship with the land is now broken. And see, what we get here in this passage of Scripture, when, when we see this uh, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, what we see is that through Jesus, God is reuniting and reconciling all of that stuff that was broken, all of those relationships, to, uh, all of those relationship that, that relationships that were broken, to completely restore what has been lost. This is his heartbeat His heartbeat is for restoration. This is what moves God more than anything else in our world, is that his world will become what he intended it to be. It will be totally restored. And the great thing about this is that it is through Jesus then that he actually invites us to participate. He invites us as partners into this mission with him, to step into the brokenness of the world and to bring hope and to bring healing and to bring restoration there. When I went to uh, Mississippi in two, uh, it's about 10 years ago now, after Hurricane Katrina, I took a team of uh, students down there to help rebuild um, some of the homes and the things that were lost. I bumped into a, a guy named Richard. Richard was this uh, um, kind of grizzled old uh, retired, you know, trades guy and uh, didn't, have much, um, didn't have much time for God. Uh, he was a, a lapsed Catholic, and his understanding of, uh, of, of God and that came from uh, when he was in, in uh, school as a young boy. I guess the nuns used to wrap his knuckles when he, I guess he was kind of an unruly lad, and they would wrap his knuckles if he got out of line. And so his picture of God was all wrapped up in this, uh, this person who is an authority, who if you step out of line, he's going to nail you. It wasn't a picture of a God that restores. But as, as I was talking to Richard about his experience with God and uh, I said, so, so Richard, why are you here then? Like, why are you down in Mississippi? What is it that you're, that you're doing here? Because this was actually his third trip down, that he had come down on his own dime. And as he's telling me about all the people that he's met, all the lives that he's changed, all the buildings that he's rebuilt, 
I sat there and I was blown away and I had to say to him this. I said, I said, Richard, I know that you don't have a lot of time for God. I know that you're not quite sure who he is. But I need to tell you this, that as you participate in this work, you are doing exactly what God wants you to do. God is a God that steps into our brokenness. God is a God who steps into the, uh, the, the mess of the world. And like I've said, brings hope and healing there. And I said to Richard, you are doing exactly that. You are doing exactly that. And I, can, I need to tell you this, that God is incredibly proud of you. And as I looked up at his face, I was kind of caught by surprise because this grizzled old man that could see the tears well up and they spilled over and down his face. And I was like, wow. I don't think anybody has ever told him that his work matters. I don't think anybody has ever told him that God expects us to be partners. He invites us into a partnership of restoration. This is what our lives are to be about. They are about to be stepping into the brokenness that we find. This is the stuff that moves God, and it's the stuff that should move us too. It's in our partnership with God that we actually move the kingdom forward, and we help make this future of restoration, we make it a reality. Well, not only does his mission move God, but we also uh, find that in this passage that his realized image actually moves God. And if I had to rephrase this point, his realized image, I would just say it's simply us. We actually move God. In fact, we move God to the point that he would actually send his own son, that his son would turn away from the things that he had in heaven and would step into human flesh. We see in... uh, Verse 7 here. But made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. You see, we had an identity crisis as humanity. We forgot who we were. And so God in his love and his infinite wisdom actually uh, sent Jesus to come down as his image in, his, in, in our likeness, the people, the man that we were supposed to be, the humans that we were supposed to be, God sends Jesus in our likeness to show us who we were or who we are. I mean, to really understand what it means to be in the likeness of God, we actually have to go back to Genesis chapter 1. Because in, the gen- in Genesis chapter 1, we find out that humanity, that us, we were actually created in this likeness. We were created in this image. This was our role in the world, to reflect God to others and to reflect worship back to God. That's who we were as, or who we are as human beings. But like I said, we lost this. But what does it really mean for us that we were created in the image of God? Now, I got to warn you here, I'm going to go a little bit Bible nerd, all right? And, uh, and that's okay, because uh, I think this book is amazing, and we need to celebrate it. We need to study it. And the thing is this, is that uh, in ancient cultures, how they would have understood this being created in the image of God, they right away would have gone to how they actually created their idols, all right, because what would happen in ancient cultures is that the priests would go and they would find a piece of wood or a piece of stone and they would bring it back to a sacred garden. And if you're tracking with me, your mind should be flipping to Genesis chapter 2 that talks about God creating Adam, how he took him into a sacred garden and he started to form him out of the dust of the earth. 
And so this is what happens. These priests take these, these objects that are going to be um, uh, transformed into the idols and they begin to shape them. And they begin to create them. And then they ceremonially open up the ears and the eyes and the mouth and the limbs and all that stuff. And then the last thing they do before this object is placed in the temple is they breathe breath or they put fire into the idol. And that fire represents the presence of this living God, now, uh, or of, of their God. Now the thing is this, is that these cultures didn't believe that the actual idol okay, was the, their actual God. What they understood was that it was a representation. It was an image of God. And this is what is going on when we talk about being made in the image of God, that we are God's image. We reflect who he is to those around us. You know, the crazy thing about this is that we understand that the Israelites weren't allowed to have images in their temples. Oh, in, in their temples, sorry. Well, why was that? <laughs> because they were. They were the image of God. I mean, when they walked into their temple to worship, they're looking around and they're like, wow, image of God. Image of God. We are reflections of the divine. And our role is to reflect this image to the rest of creation. See, this is the thing. This, this is who we are. This is directly tied to our identity. Ephesians 2.10 uh, tells us that we are works of art. We are divine works of art. We are God's workmanship. We are his masterpiece. Every human being possesses a derived significance grounded in, who, in God himself. And I look around the church and somebody told me there's like 120 different cultures represented here. And I'm saying to myself, that's a lot of food that I got to sample and taste. And, uh, and that's great. Uh, I already got invited to uh, a wedding today, uh, believe it or not. So I'm excited as a wedding feast. That's, that's going to be awesome. And uh, so, uh, yeah, feel free, you know, I'll give you my email at the end of the, ad- uh, at the, end of the service and uh, we, can, we can connect around food. But we got 120 different cultures represented in this church and all of us together collectively reflect God to the world. And I just think that is awesome. I just think that that is awesome. But here's the question I have to ask, and please don't take this as a question of condemnation because that's not what it is. The question I have to ask us as a community is what kind of God are we reflecting? What kind of God are we reflecting? And this isn't a question to like make you feel bad about yourself. Like, oh man, I just yelled at my kids this morning and I do, oh man, I, 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 suck, at, I suck at representing God. That's not what this question is about. This question is a question of invitation. You see, Jesus stepping into human form, Jesus um, becoming like a man, incarnating himself, this is an invitation for us to get to know God, to get to know who we were created and called to be. So not only does God's mission move him, not only do we move God, but the last thing that I think moves God is his radical nature. His radical nature. I, got, I, just, I just have to read um, verse, verse 6 here. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself Nothing. What kind of God is this? What kind of God is this? 
Because you see, if you were reading this hymn back in the first century, this totally would have blown your mind. Because the reality is of the Greco-Roman gods, they were gods um, that, uh, that were all about um, using their power to advance themselves. They were all about forcing others into submission or taking advantage of weakness. And that's not what we see here about our God. We see a God who embraces weakness. We see a God who empties himself of his position. We see a God who steps into the position of a slave, into that of a servant. We see a God who gives sacrificially of himself. Our God engages our weaknesses and steps into our struggles in the incarnation. And in light of what we talked about before, of, as us being created in the image of God, of us reflecting God to the world, I really believe that this needs to be our posture towards each other. That we engage in each other's struggles as a community. Because that is where we learn how to be like God. That is where we, uh, that's where we learn to consider the needs of others as well as, as, well of, as, well as our own. It's where we have our arguments and then learn to offer grace and forgiveness. It's where we learn what it means to walk with others through their pain and offer hope and comfort. Stepping into the struggles, stepping into the weakness. This is God's radical nature. This is the thing that moves God. It's the music that moves him and I think it's the music that should, be move, that should move us as well. So then, how can we find our feet in God's song and dance? And I just have two points, and then uh, we're going to close. Um, the first step is this, is that we actually need to learn how to listen to the music. We need to learn how to listen to the music. This is where I embarrass my other daughter, Hannah, and I tell stories about her. Um, what, uh, what happened is that, uh, to us is that as we've, uh, we've actually traveled across the country twice, and uh, each time we take stops in Chicago, because we love Chicago, it's a great city. And uh, anyway, we are walking down Michigan Avenue, and um, my daughter Hannah, uh, she sees this woman that's sitting on the side of the road, and she's got this sign that says, I'm six weeks pregnant and I have no food. And she's going on and on like this as, as this story is told on her sign. And my daughter Hannah looks up at me and she says, Dad, we got to do something. I'm like, okay, well, what is it that we got to do? And she's like, we got to go get some food for this lady. She's, she's six weeks pregnant. She's got to feed that baby. That baby's got to be healthy. I'm like, okay, well, let's go. Now, if you've never been to Chicago, like Michigan Avenue is not the place to go to find grocery stores. I mean, you go to find handbags and nice shoes and all that, an American girl, uh, I discovered. But um, you, uh, you, uh, you don't find grocery stores there. And so we searched up and down Michigan Avenue until we bumped into a Walgreens and we moved in. We, we stepped into there and we, we bought uh, some food and my daughter went running back and I was just really curious to see how this was going to play out. And she gets down right in front of this lady and she puts the food down in front of her and she gives it to her and she just says, Jesus loves you and gets up and walks away. And so as we were going through Chicago this time, I was like, okay, what's going to happen on Michigan Avenue? And well, the same thing did. I mean, she didn't see uh, the same person, but she saw someone with a sign that said, just hungry. That's all they are, just hungry. She's like, Dad, we can help that person. And so again, we searched for food, and we found it. And uh, she ran back, and she brought it, and she says, here you go. And the lady was like, wow, thank you. You know, I don't think for a second there that my daughter 
um, believes that she's going to solve global poverty uh, one person at a time by giving, you know, food and whatever to uh, people that she meets in Chicago. But here's the thing about my daughter that I've discovered and that has blown me away is that she is learning how to hear the music. She is learning how to step into brokenness. She's learning how to bring restoration. She's learning how to bring hope and healing. And I just think as a father, there is nothing that makes me more proud than that. She's learning how to listen to the music. Well, the second uh, way that we can uh, walk in or step into or find our feet in God's song and dance is simply this. So if we learn how to listen to the music, then we got to actually walk, dance it out, right? So we got to step towards others. So uh, I got a question for you. Uh, anybody want $10? Any takers? All right, come on up. <sighs> Yeah, I'm gonna get. Yeah, I'm gonna give it to you. My name's Dave. Vladimir. Vladimir, nice to meet you. Here's here's ten bucks. Now, there's you can go sit down, but I'm gonna tell you there's some strings attached to that. Yeah, you can go sit down though, but there are some strings attached to that, and I'm, I'm gonna tell you what it is. Okay, here's here's the ten dollar challenge. Now, I just you know fulfilled my ten dollar challenge with uh, Vladimir there, and uh, it's not about uh, you know you guys just giving ten dollars away. Here's what Vladimir now has to do with that $10, all right? He has to go and he has to step towards somebody. Could be a neighbor, could be someone in the church, but he's got to step into somebody's struggle, all right? He's got to step into a relationship. He's got to get to know somebody, and that $10 is going to help him do that, all right? Okay, awesome. And so my $10, my $10 challenge is to all of you guys as well, is for you to take $10 and to step towards somebody. To take them out for coffee, I mean, $10, you can get a Starbucks for yourself and one for your buddy, all right? Take them out, step into the struggle, start to hear their story. Because this is the kind of community that we want to foster at Bayview. We want to foster community that says, you know what? We're going to step towards one another here. We are coming together, all right? We are not in individuals that are wrapped up in our own lives, but we are wrapped up in one another, and so uh, I'm going to give you my email address because I want you to email me the stories. I want to know how this goes for you, all right? So uh, it's new. My, it's a brand new email address, so it's not on the website yet, I don't, I don't think. Becky, is it on? No, it's not on the website. All right, so, uh, so here it is, all right? Uh, it's Dave L., okay? And, and phonetically, it's like Davil, rhymes with navel, all right? So, so Dave L., um, at bayviewglen.org, Okay? So what I want you to do is I want you to take your $10 and I want you to bless somebody with it, step towards them, step into relationship with somebody, step into their struggle, hear their story, then I want you to email me the story of how this went. I want to know. Now, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. Maybe I'll read a couple up here. Maybe I'll post them on our website. You let me know if you're comfortable with that. But uh, yeah, but that's where we're going to go with this. All right? So... Yeah, just a couple ways that we can step and find our feet in God's song and dance. Just let me pray for you, and then we're going to invite the worship team to come up. God, I thank you that uh, you did not wait for us to initiate this step, but God, you took the step towards us in sending your son, Jesus. And so God, when we look and when we think about who we are supposed to be in the world, we just have to look to your son, and I thank you so much that he's so real and tangible. And so, God, I just pray that this week would be a week where we experience the blessings of God in our lives because we are dancing to the music that you dance to. God, that we are finding ourselves in you and we are stepping into this mission of restoration. God, I just thank you um, 
that you go with us, that you never leave us or forsake us. And I pray these things in your name. Amen.